Welcome to Invested in Climate. Protecting the planet and decarbonizing the global economy is the challenge of our time. We all have a role to play, and the opportunity we face is unprecedented. Invested in Climate aims to help people do more to address climate change through their work, investments, lifestyle, and activism. I'm your host, Jason Rissman. I support a growing community of top climate and ESG leaders as the Chief Experience Officer at Nations Wealth, and I'm an advisor to the climate practice at IDEO. I'm also an investor and startup advisor, and when it comes to climate action, I know I'll be a lifelong learner, always looking to have more impact. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Sign up for updates and suggest ideas for future episodes at investedinclimate.com. Follow us on social, subscribe, and spread the word. Thanks for joining. There are 20 billion square feet of glass installed around the world every year. If you were to transform all of that passive glass into active electricity generating glass, you could up- offset 10% of global carbon emissions. It's just that much surface area. Now, I'll really blow your mind because every time I use this data blows mine, we are expected to double our building stock by 2060. That's the equivalent of adding an entire New York City to this planet every single month between now and 2060. So there's a huge opportunity here for us in both directions. If it is imperative for us to build with sustainable building materials, it's imperative for us to focus on energy efficiency and have our buildings participate in generating electricity. And this is also a a huge opportunity to miss if we don't get that right, because there is a lot, a lot, a lot of of building activity and it's not going to slow down. Imagine if solar panels could be invisible and so thin that you could install them inside of windows. Exciting, right? This isn't a science fiction thought experiment. It's real technology being developed by a company called Ubiquitous Energy. And it gets even better. They're developing this technology in partnership with Anderson Windows, one of the largest and perhaps best-known residential window manufacturers in the U.S. We're joined today by Ubiquitous Energy's CEO, Susan Stone as well as Prabhakar Kari, who goes by KP, is the director of ventures at Anderson Corporation and who led Anderson's investment in Ubiquitous. We talk about the technology that makes transparent solar possible, how it was developed, the path to market, the transformative impact it could have on the built environment, and much more. For anyone interested in technology that could really change the world around us and the types of partnerships needed to reach scale, this episode is for you. Enjoy. Susan and KP, welcome to Invested in Climate. So great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. Nice to be great. here. Where do I have you both dialing in from? Minneapolis, Minnesota. Truckee, California. Wow. So who has more snow this year? I guess actually it's probably Truckee. Yeah, we actually just had this conversation last week. We were together last week for a few meetings and we did have a contest to see who's had more snow. And I think Truckee wins. Yeah, right now the pictures that are going around are of people's tunnels that they need to dig out to just get into their homes uh, around Lake Tahoe. So a crazy winter there. Hope you are staying safe and also finding ways to enjoy the snow. Doing both of those things. Yes, thanks. Great. Well, we are here to talk about a unique partnership between Anderson and Ubiquitous Energy. And it's a partnership that can really have a profound impact on the built environment. Let's get started just by understanding this collaboration, which really starts by understanding the technology being developed by Ubiquitous Energy. Susan, will you please kick us off by telling us a bit about your company and 
what it's developing. I'd love to. At Ubiquitous Energy, we're a startup. We're spun out of MIT. And our core technology, really the heart of what we do is we make transparent solar. And when I mean transparent solar, I mean pretty much invisible. The underlying invention that our co-founders came up with was to selectively harvest only non-visible light. And so that allows us to make solar materials that you can see through. So when we thought through how could you apply this technology, what would you do? Um, you know, really the the core principle is how do we get solar deployed everywhere? And when we thought through, you know, why is solar not deployed everywhere? A big reason is because you have to see it. Uh, it's in deep, deep, dark black, deep blues, trying to harvest every photon you possibly can. And if you remove that constraint and you don't have to see solar, it opens up this amazing application space where, you know, you could really put it anywhere that sees the sun. So why not buildings? I mean, buildings, I think everyone who probably listens to this podcast, Jason, knows that buildings are a gigantic contributor to carbon emissions, depending on who you ask, like 37, 40%, uh, a big number. And so we see an opportunity to use those solar materials on the envelope of a building in a way that's still aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and you don't have to see it, but allows that building to generate electricity. Uh, so that that probably makes it obvious why we wanted to work with uh, a partner like Anderson. Amazing. So invisible, but not non-existent. So it has some weight. It has some mass. Tell us about just the application of how is it actually added to a window without actually changing the appearance or the compatibility of a window with a building? Well, and that's a really important point that we don't change the product at all. And that's really a kind of a guiding principle for us in how we engineer everything that we do. So I heard you say, you know, it has weight, it has mass. True, but very, very little. We use a coating. So we use small molecules that we invent. Our chemists are pretty amazing and they come up with proprietary materials that can accomplish our goal of creating electricity. We also use our proprietary materials to interface with what's already a standard window coating. There's a low emissivity coating that goes on virtually every piece of window glass that's sold today in the U.S. and around most of the world. Sometimes you hear that called a solar control coating, and its job is to reject solar energy, to keep it out of the building. And it does a really good job of that. And so what we've done is we're able to integrate our coating into what's an existing standard coating. We're talking about something that's nanometers thick. We add de minimis weight to the product. And we're able to, because we're embedded in something that's already existing in the product, we're able to use the same manufacturing processes that are tried and true and scaled in the industry. And we're able to provide an end product, which is an insulated glass unit, to our partners like Anderson that is as close to same as what they're they're using already in their product portfolio. So such a small change to the window product that it's really hard to notice. Incredible. Susan, this is technology that's been in development for quite some time. Tell us a bit about the company's history so we get a sense of how long the team has been at work and also what have been some of the key milestones. It's been a journey. Like most deep tech and hard tech companies, it takes a while to get from lab, you know, the moment of invention to product. Uh, and so we're really proud that we've been able to do that in 10, 11 years. They were founded in 2011. 
I was introduced to the company in the end of 2013, still at MIT. That's when I invested in the company. That's how I got to know Ubiquitous. I met our founders. I invested in the company. I became a board member. And at that time, we were you know, doing what a lot of scrappy startups do. We were borrowing time on equipment at MIT. So our, uh, our engineers were you know, in the middle of the night running experiments when equipment was available. And we could make solar cells that were about the size of a postage stamp. You could see through them. You could absolutely see through them, but they didn't look like window glass. We had a lot of work to do to get to the point where we could make a coating that looks like a, a window coating. I joined the, the team as a board member in 2014. And some of our milestones as we progressed the technology were, one, we moved from Boston to Redwood City, California, not just for the sunshine, although that was a, that was a part of the decision-making. Uh, we really wanted to be, you know, kind of right in Silicon Valley in, in the heart of innovation and, and really where a lot of the talent lives. Uh, so we've been really happy with that move. We really moved along the path of progressing the technology so that it became more and more efficient in generating electricity in, you know, how, what percentage of those photons were converting into electricity. And we also, at the same time, were moving along towards productization. And so when I first met the company and invested, we were sure that we were going to go to consumer electronics first. And there were all these great reasons that we should go to consumer electronics. And in fact, I have a wearable that I wish was coated with ubiquitous energy coating because I hate when I have to charge it and take it off my hand. And so we had this huge opportunity that we were attacking in consumer electronics. And in the midst of that, folks from Architectural Glass came calling. Um, and so we made a decision as a company to kind of take that leap into what we think is the most impactful and biggest market we could enter. And it's also probably the most complex. And so we started working in 2017 with two of the largest glass manufacturers in the world, way upstream from folks like Anderson. And they really worked with us to develop our technology, not just to be great solar materials, but to also provide the energy efficiency and the optical qualities that one needs to be a successful window product. And I think that is, is not obvious, but it's so critical. In every market, there is a very, very tight tolerance for aesthetics. You know, we all, we have an expectation for what our windows look like. Commercial architects, homeowners, you name it. Everybody has a very specific viewpoint on what their windows should look like. And you don't want to have to see them, right? Like that's the beauty of the window is you get to see what's beyond it. And so that was a really big milestone for us, working with those glass manufacturers and getting to the point where we could make a window coating that looks and performs exactly like a conventional window coating with as few compromises as possible. So big milestone there. And then I would say that our next big milestone was really our decision to focus on the residential market. That was a relatively new I don't wouldn't say a new concept, but it wasn't a very popular decision for uh, folks who were you know kind of working on premium glazing stuff because the commercial market's so big. You you know you do gigantic buildings, gigantic glass, and, and just a, a huge market there. Um, but we believed and still believe that homeowners want tools for their own energy efficiency and so that they can make an impact. And we just saw a beautiful opportunity 
to bring our product to residential homeowners and to multifamily housing. That was another big milestone of the company, this big decision to you know, make residential prototypes and, and approach the residential market. And then I would say probably our partnership with Anderson, absolutely transformational for Ubiquitous. We could not be happier to be developing product with Anderson. We really get to piggyback on their legacy of energy efficiency, of high quality windows and their brand and, and touch in the marketplace has just been amazing for us. Well, I have a feeling that feeling is mutual. So let's hear from KP. Susan, you touched on so many things that we're going to want to circle back to in terms of the efficiency of the technology as well as the rollout plans. But KP, this technology could offer an obvious competitive advantage for a company like Anderson. Tell us a bit about how you found each other and how you first got involved with Ubiquitous. Like Susan was saying earlier, when they first developed a post-it size stamp prototype back in 2013, I think that's when... They shipped some samples in 2016, I think around 2016, 2015-ish, to our R&D group here in Minnesota. And people in the R&D group took a look at it and said, hmm, interesting, because, you know, Anderson had been following photovoltaic for some time, obviously. That was one of the first proof points of, you know, transparent solar glass. But again, like Susan said, it was a form factor that obviously wouldn't fit in a window. So we'd been in touch since then. And in 2021, summer of 2021, I think, the Ubiquitous team shipped us some insulated glass units, IGUs that Susan had referenced earlier, and said, hey, guys, listen, here's a, a 14 by 20 inch insulated glass unit, which is the industry standard for you know testing and all the good stuff that they do. So when we received those, aha, you know, we like suddenly saw the possibility now, right? It's no longer a prototype. It's no longer a concept. It's no longer postage sized. Now it's it's real. And so in 2021 is when we, coincidentally, it's about this time when Anderson spooled up the Anderson Ventures Group, right? And so I'd been on board for a few months then, I think, uh, Susan, when we first met. And so the R&D team kicked it over to us and said, hey, Ubiquitous is a company that we've known for some time, and they're in the process of raising a Series B capital raise, and take a look at it. So that's how I kind of got introduced to transplant photovoltaic and ubiquitous. And so, yeah, then that's the rest is history, right? I mean, we did, did our due diligence. Uh, for me and our team, it was a uh, time to kind of get familiar with transplant photovoltaic and the industry itself and look at all the players who are out there, do our due diligence. We made a few calls. We, looked, we did some um, research on existing patents to see, you know, who has the most defensible and uh, exciting technology. And yeah, Ubiquitous checked a bunch of boxes and then we decided to go make a trip and we did our due diligence and yeah, here we are. Fantastic. So Anderson is both a strategic investor in Ubiquitous and also a commercial partner. And you've announced that you're partnering to integrate transparent solar into your windows and doors. Tell us about these products and when they'll come to market. They're coming pretty soon. As Susan mentioned, we are building prototype windows. One of the things that we need to kind of figure out is the end use case. What exactly would um, homeowners would like to do? Obviously, there's two schools of thought over here. One is you would probably use that converted solar energy to tap back into the grid and feed back to the grid and turn your meter backwards. That's one app potential application. The other one is using the power at the source, right? And so... There are so many applications that windows and doors could do right now. You know, uh, people use batteries or plug in a car or things like that. So we are developing technologies to enable both and we're testing markets. 
to see what consumers find most attractive and most beneficial to them. And depending on the answer there, we'll go forward. So to directly answer your question in a couple of years, two, three years. Great. And can you tell us any bit more about how you're gauging interest from customers in these products and what you're learning? We're still in the product development phase, so we haven't formally launched customer service yet or customer you know, segmentation and marketing and things like that. But we have been doing informal and behind the scenes testing. For instance, we Ubiquitous and Anderson jointly presented at uh, the Greenville conference in San Francisco a few months ago. And we had a booth, a joint booth, and we had some prototypes and Everybody who walked by said, when is this product going to be available? When can I get it? How much does it cost? I mean, so the question wasn't really about, oh, okay, that's interesting. But everybody was like, the response was overwhelmingly positive. And since we announced this partnership, we've been getting a lot of um, feedback and inbounds, both from our own channel partners, internally with our employees. And Anderson has about 13,000 employees in the United States. And everybody's excited, like, hey, when can when, is, when are we actually making this stuff? And, uh, well, you know, when are we going to be shipping this? And our channel partners, obviously, and home builders, developers. So we have a lot of inbound interest. But right now, we're kind of still in the product development phase. So we haven't really launched formal marketing. But I'll let Susan add on to that. I mean, I know you've been doing some market studies too, Susan. When I told you that we made this kind of big decision to to focus on residential or to, to open ourselves up to residential, we did a pretty extensive primary market research study. And we were looking at both of those cases that KP is talking about, you know, treat our windows just like solar panels. And, you know, what does it look like to marry that with a rooftop system, you know, really think about them as just conventional solar panels and think differently, use the power right out the window perform functions at the window off the grid, but that belong at the you know edge of the building on the building envelope. And so that's kind of where we started. And you know, from the moment we announced our partnership with Anderson, which was January of 2022, we started getting flooded with inbound as well. It's really been really nice for us because we've been able to say, oh well, our residential windows are going to be Anderson windows. So you know you're you're just going to have to to keep an eye on what Anderson has to say. But that's not really what we tell folks. I mean, we we love to hear the demand from residential and commercial customers. It truly, this is a product that people have been waiting for. It sounds obvious. Uh, like, I think that's part of why we do have so much inbound interest. I think uh, I've heard KP say before that this is a technology that he doesn't need to explain. That, you know, when he told his mom about ubiquitous energy, it was very obvious. And I love to hear that because I think it's true. There's nothing complicated at all about what we do. And so when when people start to imagine, what if the grid goes down and I can just plug my phone into my window because it's seeing the sun, you don't have to go any further. That use case is such a simple one and it just, it lights people up. So yeah, the demand is there. We're just moving along the path to making sure we have the right product developed and manufactured in the right way. And yeah, we're on the way. I love that pass the, you can explain it to your mom test. And that definitely uh, suggests uh, good things for your future marketing. Of course, integrating new technology in a product has an impact on price and the cost. Uh, And so I'm curious, what will the impact on price be for customers? And will those customers perhaps be able to leverage some of the tax incentives that are available for traditional solar adoption? Yes to adding cost, of course, right? Where, I mean, we're adding our solar materials to an existing product, The really beautiful thing about the way our engineering team has productized our technology is that 
we do use that very similar manufacturing process that's already in place. And so that gives us one, a good opportunity to model out our costs with some confidence. It also gives us an ability to be able to produce the product without really adding much. Um, We are a very de minimis addition to the product. So I can't tell you yet what the, you know, the end product pricing will be. We're a component. We're a component just the same way the glass is a component to every Anderson window and is a component to every glass facade in the commercial market. But I can tell you, you know, we're talking at the component level at call it 30 to 50% premiums. Take it for what it is. We're not in production yet. So, you know, we've got to get out there and and make the product and, and then we'll have a finer point on what the pricing premium will be. But there are other, you know, ancillary things that have to go into taking that component and making it an end product. So that's a very long version of we don't quite know yet, but hopefully not too much more than an existing products on the market. And we've done a lot of work to, to ensure that. The end of your question was the most exciting part, which is yes, we can take advantage of the solar investment tax credits. And you know, this is something that gets me especially excited because we can turn windows into energy property for tax purposes, for um, appreciation purposes, which ultimately hits your tax bill. Um, So depending on whether you're a commercial or residential customer, there's a slightly different framework. But the answer is yes, absolutely. That is uh, available to our customers. And further, the Inflation Reduction Act just really acts as a, a beautiful bridge for companies like ours that are just getting into production. We're not scaled yet. Early pricing, you know, as everyone knows, it is never what scaled pricing is. And so that Inflation Reduction Act incentive really helps us bridge the gap between early production and, you know, once we're able to get in full scale manufacturing, hopefully with with manufacturing partners around the world. So like Susan was saying, she was talking about the cost of the glass. So suddenly now we're talking about a window that's no longer a passive device, but it's actually an active electronics component, right? So there's got to be a battery in there to harness the energy, to store the energy. There's got to be electronics to control devices. So it's no longer just a, a window that just sits there. And, you know, so now it's an electronic device. So there are costs that will come along with that. But the glass component itself is one piece of the total window cost, and it's not really. Uh, so when you take that into factor, the overall cost impact we think is going to be negated by all the benefits that come with the uh, renewable energy source. You're saving money elsewhere, right? I mean, you're putting money into the window, but you're saving energy and money elsewhere. We also believe that just like many other industries, as this technology scales, costs will come down. So we envision a future where, from a consumer perspective, it'll be cost neutral. Then at, at that time, you know, saying, just like we think at some point here, electric vehicles will be the same cost as a gasoline vehicle. And then you really have to then decide, am I buying a gasoline engine or am I buying an electric car, right? And so it's just, a, it's, so price is never, is not going to be a factor. So that's what we envision a future down the line that the question really is not going to be about cost. Give us a sense of how much energy these windows will actually capture. Is transparent solar able to generate as much energy as traditional solar panels? And clearly for large commercial buildings, you can cover a lot more surface area, but how efficient is the technology? No, we can't be as efficient as conventional panels. Uh, and that's just you know, so that's just physics. We intentionally sacrifice the visible part of the spectrum. Now, the good news is that two thirds of the power in the sun spectrum is invisible to the human eye. So we do still have access 
to two thirds of the power. Um, so when we think about our, you know, our, our theoretical limits relative to silicon or other materials, other opaque materials, we're going to max out at about two thirds of their max. We are also a little earlier in the development curve. Silicon's been around, I think, commercialized since the sixties, you know, early days. So silicon has had a lot of time to reach, you know, peak efficiencies. All of that said, we're, our team is skyrocketing up the curve. So our current production formulation, and, and when I say a production formulation, I say it is ready to manufacture. So it has been tested for our manufacturing process. It's reliable. It's durable. It will have uh, the acceptable lifetimes for both a window coating and a photovoltaic device. So you know, it meets all of our testing requirements. That's about 20% as efficient as you know a typical panel that you would put on your roof. So now let's translate into what does that mean for your building? You said it, giant skyscrapers, you can glaze the whole building and you know, you're looking at these vertical solar farms, amazing. In that case, uh, depending on the building, we can offset from 10 to 30% of that building's energy needs, which is a big chunk. For homeowners, it all depends how much glass you have, right? My home has quite a bit of glass. I, like many people, bought my house for the windows and for the views. I have a residential solar system myself. We could add about 30% to my production if we glazed my home. And there's, KP, I think you could probably comment on this. There's not uh, easily accessible data on residential home building, um, but anecdotally, what we're seeing and hearing from architects and from uh, builders is that there is a push for more and more glass, even in the residential homes. Uh, so we hope that we can make a big impact for the homeowner. We also are continuing to improve our efficiencies. I told you we're 20% of the conventional panel for our production formulation. We have cells in our R&D pipeline uh, that are twice as efficient, third-party validated. And so we have a really tight roadmap and, and pipeline towards getting there. So efficiency will continue to improve. And then the last thing I would say, and especially for residential, I just absolutely love the application of using the power at the window, in part because not everybody has a residential system that they would hook into. Um, so I think in part because it allows us to bring solar power to absolutely anyone. And the devices that we're developing with Anderson, we're prototyping, would be installed just like a window. So you know you could imagine that it's time to replace your windows. And one of your choices is, do I want one or all of my windows to be photovoltaic enabled. And that's it. Perhaps, you know, I'm dreaming now into the future, but you know, the Runel by Anderson folks will come in and install the windows. They don't even need an electrician. And suddenly every single one of your windows has, you know, USB-C, you can charge whatever you want, or your blinds are powered by your windows uh, without ever having to call an electrician or have anybody, you know, tap into your walls. So that was a long answer on efficiency, but it gives you a sense for how we think about it. Efficiency keeps getting better and better, and, and we can make a big impact already with what we can do today. And I love to invite people to think differently about how we use power, and it's not just about interfacing with the grid. Susan, you touched briefly on placement and how many windows a home might include. Is it all of them? Is it some of them? Talk to us for a second about where this technology should really be placed. Is it that every part of a building should be covered or just one side, say the south facing side where there's more sun? How do you think about placement? 
When we talk about commercial buildings, we really encourage our potential customers to think about glazing the entire building. And that is because the sun really does follow your building around during the day. And you can be generating even from north facing elevations throughout the day. It's all about cost and preference. Uh, So we recommend, I mean, we're still solar, right? So I would not recommend that you put a PV window under your deck, you know, where it's deeply shaded because I think you're wasting money and you should just go with a passive window. Just like any other solar device, we see more illumination in the Southern and Western facings than we do in Northern and Eastern, but we do continue to generate on all of those different elevations and facings. And in fact, and uh, KP, I'll, I'll turn it over to you in a second if you want to talk more about this, but um, Anderson has built a, a little mini house uh, that's on top of their R&D center, and they've glazed it with ubiquitous energy Anderson windows on all four facings of the compass. Our PVs are performing beautifully. Yeah, that's one of the first things that, you know, as a homeowner or even an end user, the first question you ask is, okay, is this window going to work? We are doing real life testing. So we have built a mini house uh, on our R&D facility and we have placed these ubiquitous windows on all four walls and they continue to generate electricity. The interesting thing is we found in our labs that when the window is indoors, right, and there's not a whole lot of sunlight coming at it, it is still absorbing the ambient light from these lights in the, in the room. So that is a, was an aha moment for us, right? So when the sun goes down at night, your rooftop solar goes to sleep. We're done, right? But the window is still seeing the ambient light in your room when you turn switch on your lights. So the light that is maybe normally wasted is now some of it is getting converted into electricity. Uh, obviously not a whole, as efficient as the sun. So it's a 24-7 product. And then the real-life testing we've seen, even in, in Minnesota, in winter, on a north-facing window on an overcast day, day's worth of charge is enough to potentially power a, a video camera, like a security camera on your window for a week, or maybe your blinds for a day. So even if it's one day of sunlight and six days of uh, overcast skies, your windows will, depending on the application that you use for, it opens up a whole lot of applications now. We don't have to kind of rely on the grid. Your cameras will still work. Going back to what she was saying earlier about explaining this to my mom. If you're a physicist or electrical engineer, you say, this produces uh, 50 watts per uh, square meter. What does that mean? I did the math and like, so the average window is about 12 square feet. So an average window would produce about 60 watts of energy. For every hour of sunlight that the average window is seeing, it can power a 60 watt bulb. Now, what is a 60 watt bulb? The traditional incandescent 60 watt bulb would be one bulb, right? But now pretty much everybody's using LED bulbs. Those are like 15 to 20 watts, maybe even less, right? 10 watt bulbs. So an average window can power three or four or five LED bulbs. So for every hour of sunlight that your window is seeing, it can light your room at night for that many hours, right? So now if your windows, uh, your home suddenly has seven or eight windows, it's not inconceivable that all your lights could be off the grid. That's good. That's meaningful. That's really helpful. I love the clarity of that explanation. It does make me wonder though, like what could this add up to? As you think long-term, uh, if this technology is widely adopted, how much of a contribution could it make to our overall energy needs? An enormous, enormous contribution. And part of that is just because human beings love glass. I mean, we we love to build with glass. And I'm a very amateur student of architectural history. It's uh, It was one of my favorite courses in college, but not even close to my major. 
And I like to see that, look at that through line in human history that as we've progressed and as we've built and built and built, we've gone from, you know, kind of living in caves to building these gigantic glass skyscrapers, all with the intention of, you know, having the the indoors and the outdoors kind of melt together. Uh, And so I think that I don't see us turning back time. And so I, I think we will continue to want to build with lots of glass. So how much glass am I talking about? There are 20 billion square feet of glass installed around the world every year in an architectural setting. If you were to transform all of that passive glass into active electricity generating glass, you could offset 10% of global carbon emissions. It's just that much surface area. Now, I'll really blow your mind because every time I use this data blows mine, we are expected to double our building stock by 2060. That's the equivalent of adding an entire New York City to this planet every single month between now and 2060. So there's a huge opportunity here for us in both directions. If it is imperative for us to build with sustainable building materials, it's imperative for us to focus on energy efficiency and have our buildings participate in generating electricity. And this is also a a huge opportunity to miss if we don't get that right, because there is a lot, a lot, a lot of of building activity and it's not going to slow down. What do you see as the main barrier? Yeah, that's an exciting vision is just understanding how much building is happening. And if 20 to 30% of all of those skyscrapers, energy footprint is immediately erased because of, of transparent solar, like that is a huge contribution. But what's the main barrier to making that happen? I, you know, I think there are a couple of barriers here. Um, you know, for us, it, it, time has to elapse, right? I mean, we're, we're at the, the very early stages here. We are raising capital to build our first manufacturing facility. So that gives you a sense of hurdles that we have to tackle as a company before we get into the market. I'm confident that we will handily handle those hurdles. Uh, so let's imagine that, you know, here we are, Ubiquitous Energy, we're, we're producing our glass. You know, I think the biggest hurdle once we have the product produced with adoption in the market is that this is a very, very important piece of building infrastructure. The glass closes up the building envelope, has to be installed in a way that is sealed. Uh, Sometimes it's a structural element. Uh, There's a lot of risk around closing the building envelope and around the glass that the market has to absorb. And new products with new technology, they take some time for people to get comfortable with. And I also think uh, it's important to remember that once you install glass in a building, once it's a residential home or a commercial building, that glass can be in place for decades. And so all of that points to a very reasonable risk aversion in this market for adopting new technology. There's a lot of, oh, well, I want to see somebody else do it first. And then you know, it's got to be up for a few years so that we can make sure it works. And that's all very, very reasonable when you're talking to people who have a, a lot of risk on their plates, very long timelines, and, and a lot of money changes hands. I mean, this is also a very expensive part of the building envelope. So for us, all of that is on the table. It's also mitigated, you know, one, by our partnership with Anderson in, in residential. And it's also mitigated by the fact that architects and builders really want this. I think those things will both be at play once we're into the market, but I don't expect that this will be something that, you know, suddenly every piece of glass is, is power producing glass. It, it's going to take a little while to get up that curve and to get folks comfortable and confident with new technology. Thanks, Susan. 
KP, you're an investor in Ubiquitous, and so I'd love to hear your view on the potential that you see from a business perspective, and also what you see as the critical factors for achieving that potential. So if I put on my VC hat on for a second, like Susan had mentioned, the potential is enormous. It's not just um, in the United States. It's not just residential. It's like worldwide residential and commercial. And that's super exciting for us. As an investor, right? I mean, I would want a technology, invest in a technology that has ubiquitous appeal, just like, you know, uh, smartphones. Everybody wants them. It doesn't matter what language you speak or where you live or everybody wants them. So we're really excited by the potential for this technology in the future that's ahead of ubiquitous, right? It's just not, like I said, limited to any particular geography or uh, any particular application. Having said that, uh, obviously, um, one of the things that any new technology faces is education and familiarity. I think that is the key barrier here. I think the technological uh, milestones will, or, or you know, uh, hurdles will be overcome and milestones will be met. And I know the, the UE team is working every day and they are actually hitting many good milestones. But from a consumer perspective, education is going to be key. And again, some of the questions that you've been asking, how much does this cost? I mean, does it does my window look funny? Does it look, will it look different? Uh, will it break in three years? Will I have to replace a window every three years? I mean, things like that. I mean, so, and, and, and that is incumbent both on manufacturers like Anderson or whoever else, right, is to kind of just bring everybody else, say, hey, wait a minute, you don't have to do anything. Susan mentioned this. I don't know if it came out very clearly, but the end user and customer doesn't have to do anything. They just install the window. There's no film to apply. There's no maintenance. It is part of your glass. It is, that's the coolest thing about this technology. It's already in the glass. So educating them for a company like Anderson, you know, we we stand behind our products. Our warranties are pretty industry leading and, and our windows last long. So we want to make sure that the photovoltaic coating lasts as long as a window does. I mean, it, it'll suck if the window is going to be functional for 30 years when the photovoltaic coating quits after three years. I mean, nobody wants that. So it's just kind of making the technological progress and educating everybody. It's like, hey, this is not something that will require maintenance on your part. It's not going to require ongoing investment on your part. It's like a window, but it just keeps on working for as long as the window is there. Great. Well, I imagine you'll have a lot of tailwinds with that education. Nobody wants a phone now that just makes phone calls, right? In the future, we're not going to want just windows that are just glass, right? It's a transformative new technology that I think will have broad appeal, but perhaps you won't be the only ones in the markets. And so I'm curious, before you invested in Ubiquitous, did you see other similar technology that you considered? And give us a sense of how crowded the market is for transparent solar. It depends on how we kind of look at it, right? I mean, so um, there are companies that are focused on, for instance, agricultural market like greenhouses, right? And so they are developing technologies that potentially make a plant grow faster. That glass has an orange tint to it. And so it's not something that we put in a window. So when we look, there are several companies across the world. There are, in our opinion, there's only three companies that are kind of have matured technology in the United States. But Ubiquitous is miles ahead of any of those three. We looked at about six or seven other companies across in Europe and other uh, other nations. Every technology that we looked at had a trade-off that you had to make. Uh, the trade-offs were either transparency or tint or color or the amount of uh, energy they produced. We did a Pareto of analysis and said which technology has the minimum trade-offs, and it was Ubiquitous. Again, there are some technologies that produce maybe potentially 2 or 3% more electricity, 
but the glass is green and you and I are not going to install green windows. So from an, from an Anderson perspective, we wanted a consumer product that the primary function of a window is not to be seen. So it should not be any different from the status quo. It should not. So the aesthetics were very important to us. The sustainability and uh, renewable energy aspects were also very important to us. And uh, yeah, I mean, on all those metrics, Ubiquitous was the only one from an end product perspective that uh, made sense. Uh, one other thing that really stood out to us doing our due diligence, and Susan already mentioned this, is how the Ubiquitous UE coding is applied to the glass. The human eye is very sensitive and perceptive to slight subtle changes in tint or uh, darkness. And, and as we uh, talked about earlier, there is an increasing trend towards larger and larger windows and window walls, for instance, like many homes have in the whole wall that is just a piece of glass. If you can imagine a piece of glass that's maybe 20 feet long and 10 feet high, the eye will quickly pick up any subtle differences in any tinder. So the from a physics and a te technology perspective, the, the most effective way to achieve uniform thickness control of the unit thickness is what's called vapor deposition. And Ubiquitous made a very strategic decision very early on to make their process very seamless and integrated to the existing tinting process for the low E coating. And that was huge for us. I mean, all the other technologies, you can't control the thickness of the layer. You, you know, when you, when you scale the size of the glass, subtle differences become apparent. So, yeah, I mean, when we looked at many companies, we, we did, there are about you know, nine or 10 companies that are have different products for different applications, but from a residential and a commercial window glass application perspective, Ubiquitous stands way ahead of the rest. KP, let's diverge just for a moment just to hear about your investment thesis overall and how Ubiquitous fits in and what else you're looking at. So Anderson has been around for 120 years, right? Our mission is to be a world-class customer experience company. So we want to, the customer to have the best experience, not just from product selection, or sales, but from selection, sales, installation, and post-installation service. So with that, when we were kind of uh, kicking off Anderson Ventures a couple of years ago, we looked at what are the four pillars of our you know, uh, investment thesis. So sustainability is key for us. One of our largest divisions, Susan mentioned that, Renewal by Anderson is a direct-to-consumer division for existing homes. So if you have an existing home and you need to replace your windows, Renewal by Anderson will come and replace your windows. We make the window, we'll replace the window. But the flip side of that problem that homeowners are increasingly aware of is what do you do with the old window that you take off? So just recycling that, there's no real elegant solution for recycling old windows because a window that's probably 40 or 50 years old has lead in the glass perhaps or lead in the paint perhaps or you know it can be recycled elegantly. So sustainability is one pillar for us. So we're looking at sustainable technologies to invest in because we want to ensure that the homeowner is not just happy with the new product, they're also happy with the way we're minimizing impact of their old product, right? Taking up. Uh, advanced materials, obviously, we're always uh, we're a window company. You know, people open windows and doors like uh, millions of times in their lifetime. So we want to make sure, you know, we get the best uh, materials that are uh, sustainable and also from a material strength perspective. We look at advanced manufacturing, industry 4.0, we have about 14 manufacturing locations across the United States. We're always looking for ways to increase our the productivity uh, of our employees and safety of our employees and minimize, you know, carbon footprint. So uh, industry 4.0. And finally, this is the trend that, uh, you know, you, you already mentioned it, Jason. Children of the future, like in the 2060s, when they're buying their home, they'll say, the window and you go and tell them, 
Back in the day, we only opened and closed windows. They didn't do anything else. And they'd be like, what? <laughs> the window did nothing else. <laughs> Where I'm going with that is smart home. Everybody already, I mean, uh, you can control your sprinklers with your phone. You can control your garage door. You can control your... So smart home is a trend. So that's uh, also a focus area. Fantastic. And I know that you focus on Anderson's venture investing, but if you can, tell us a bit more about Anderson's overall sustainability commitments. As you mentioned, it's one of the pillars of your investment strategy, but I know the company is doing much more. So what else is the company working on to improve its operations and its products in relation to the environment? So we do have a dedicated uh, sustainability team. This team is embedded with our manufacturing and sourcing organizations. So every time we source materials, we are looking at the, you know, not only the embedded carbon in the materials, but also the you know, carbon the footprint that would result in putting that in our product. For instance, we have a new plant coming up in Georgia in two or three years. So this team is front and center of everything, every decision that's being made over there. We're also looking at, like I said, waste reduction, um, not just during the, in the in the manufacturing process, but also when people take out windows. We're focused on um, recycling the product that comes out of the home. There are a few exciting companies, a couple here in the United States, uh, one in Canada, that are trying to figure out using AI to uh, better recycle construction waste, if you will. The construction process itself is wasteful, right? For instance, I know the average um, framer specs in about 20% more lumber than they need because they know they're going to waste. So there are new technologies that we're incorporating to kind of minimize waste in our process. We are part of a coalition here in the upper Midwest that of a consortium of companies that are working with local governments to enhance the circular economy. How can we just reduce the overall footprint? It's a small and growing. It's it's right now it's focused on the upper Midwest, but hopefully it'll grow. And so Anderson is a part of that group, and we're learning as we go, uh, and we're trying to incorporate uh, all the new innovation that comes out of that. Great. Susan, KP, for listeners excited to learn more and consider becoming an early adopter of Transparent, what should they do? Well, one thing they can do is come to the Ubiquitous website. Uh, we sign up for our newsletter. That's a good way to keep track of what we're doing and you know our progress as we march towards product on the marketplace. I mean, obviously, you know, follow what Anderson's doing. There's no scenario I, I can't imagine where uh, you wouldn't hear about it first when Anderson's ready to launch our products. So. Uh, They've been shouting from the hilltops about the excitement at Anderson for this product. And so I, I have no doubt that when we're ready to launch, there will be announcements. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, follow us at Ubiquitous Energy. We're working hard every day to, to get this into the market and manufactured. And uh, our marketing team has a great newsletter that we'd love to sign you up for so that anybody who's interested can keep track of what we're doing. Great. KP, any last words? Yeah, I mean, like Susan said, it's about education, right? And also feedback. From a consumer perspective, we're always looking for the most obvious application might be just a smartphone charging. But maybe consumers have better ideas and we're always you know, open uh, to listen to those ideas and incorporating them because right now is the time to give us some feedback about product features because we're still in the development phase. You're going to get inundated with people who have brilliant ideas of what to do with the power. And that'd be great. You know, that's exactly what we want, right? I mean, because uh, there's only so much we can think of, right? I mean, but if you harness the power of everybody, you know, you can get so many ideas. We had a strategic summit last week and just a group of us were sitting around kicking around ideas because it's fun. You know, what could you do with the power? Uh, and the head of innovation, Brandon Berg at Anderson, you know, he kind of was like, stop, 
the customer is going to tell us what they want to do with the power. Like that's what we really want. It's something we haven't, he kept saying, it's something we haven't even thought of. We're all ears. If, if folks have ideas on what they'd like to do with power at their window, hit us up at, we're ubiquitous.energy. We're a pretty easy website to find. So hit us up and, and tell us what you'd do with the power. I like KP's idea. We'll handle that inbound for you, KP. Thank you. Love it. I imagine both will be bombarded. Thank you both for being here and for the great work that you're doing. Really excited to follow along and watch this rollout of a really exciting technology. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Invested in Climate. Please remember to rate us on Apple, Spotify, or Google. Find show notes, sign up for updates, get in touch, and visualize your climate action at investedinclimate.com. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute financial, accounting, or legal advice. Thanks again.